Hop into the mystery machine and let's go solve some Scooby-Doo mysteries, everyone. We are back for another episode of Scooby Snacks and Chats here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. And now here's a guy who loves Shaggy and sometimes feels as hungry as Shaggy, but I've never been hypnotized into being Shaggy. It is Felipe, the Brazilian dragon himself. And I am not alone. I am joined by someone who will always be bad at uh motorcycling because this guy uh, seems to avoid motorcycles but when whoa, you say the word bad, I'm, I'm so i'm so confident right now oh wait wait yeah. no I'm, I'm i'm scared again shoot it's alec hester hey, what's... <laughs> sorry we're <laughs> totally interrupting each other we're both too excited uh about this scooby chat that we're about to have yeah. um, we can't get yeah, so what's up, that man? we'll scream though yeah well we'll see the night is young yeah. And it's so funny. how are you doing, Alec? I'm going to give you the floor since you, you tell us how you're doing. Sure. Hey, man, I'm doing good. Uh, it's not been that long since you and I got together for something, but I'm assuming this one is going to release before uh, the other project we worked on. So I'll stay hush hush about yeah. that. Um, but it's funny. You started talking about uh, Shaggy as you started the podcast to introduce yourself. And I definitely thought that you were about to uh, reference me with that shaggy intro because shaggy is totally my spirit animal and has been since i was a child um i would also eat as much as shaggy i identified with him it was actually my nickname in high school uh was in fact oh. shaggy based on the scooby-doo character um i so did not know I'm that, that we, yeah i'm glad that we share some traits in common with the uh the, the beloved green-shirted one so wait, okay, go on, go on. Tell us a little bit about your Scooby-Doo backstory, especially with this Shaggy nickname, since we haven't had you on the Scooby-Doo pod yet. Yeah, well, see, when I moved from Colorado to California, it was like the worst time to do that in high school. It was like from into my junior year. And uh, I guess I needed something to uh, give me some kind of identity that have um, much else. So once uh, I guess people found out that I was a big Scooby-Doo fan and also very skinny and also could shovel a lot of food at lunch, uh, I became known as Shaggy there, and I don't know. It wasn't really a nickname that I cared uh, about one way or the other, but it was uh, it, it it stuck. I think I kind of liked it because um, I was owning how much I loved cartoons, even at that age, you know. Yeah. No. So, uh, did you wear a lot of green? Well, or red, depending on the era. Yeah. Wow, that's right. There was a brief era where we had a lot of uh, red shirt Shaggy. Um, no, honestly, probably more blue than green. Um, I was kind of the antisocial kid in high school who also just wore my sweatshirt really? all the time and didn't. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. I was literally the shyest kid in uh, from to kindergarten all the way through high school. I only came out of my shell in college when I started getting into theater. Um, so, yeah, if anybody's heard any of the podcasts I've been on, that might be surprising to know. <laughs> But my uh, backstory with Scooby-Doo is from a really young age. You know, during that antisocial time, uh, I was busy watching and falling in love with different cartoons. And Scooby-Doo was kind of uh, the, the biggest one that I fell in love with at a young age, I think. My parents showed it to me when I was really little. Um, I've seen every series at least a little bit. And there's tons of them. 
Uh, so I've got all kinds of thoughts about like the Scooby-Doo universe at large, but that could probably be reserved for another time. I know today we're here to talk about Legend of the Phantasaur, which I keep wanting to say Phantasmosaur. Because of Batman? Oh, that probably is exactly why. I don't know why I kept saying that as I was prepar- uh, preparing for the podcast. Also, um, sorry, this is going to bother me. Phantasaur is spelled so... Oh, it is spelled like that. Okay, I, I don't know how... Okay, I spelled it wrong in my notes. I was like, why is it spelled F-A-N-T-A-S-S? Like, I wrote it Fantasour. And I was, like, so annoyed because, like, this doesn't make sense. Why is it spelled this way? And then I just realized I was dyslexic for the last two hours <laughs> when I was yeah, taking I, these I, notes. I, I, listen, the dinosaur name was the least of my problems with this movie. Uh, oh, <laughs> he's coming in hot. I'm excited. We love it. We love bit. when our guests come in hot. So, okay, I, there's so many questions I have for you about the greater journey that you have experienced by going through this, uh, you know, time traveling through the Scooby world, uh, which I, I, I guess I'll just start off by this, right? Uh, it's more fun to podcast about bad movies or great movies. So I personally think this was not great, but I don't want to speak for you. Did, did you enjoy this? Like, what were your overarching thoughts? Well, so my opinion is that everything's relative to the thing you saw previously. And the last thing I saw was Scooby-Doo Curse of the Lake Monster, which we had fun. Lindsay and I had a blast talking about it, but it was a bad movie. So um, this is much better. Um, I think, like, just to preview where we're going to go. So uh, we do rankings, ratings at the end. And this is definitely in the high threes, low fours. I am kind of quibbling. I think this discussion will illuminate where I'm going to leave it. But this is by far not the worst Scooby-Doo movie I watched. I had a good time. There was some stuff that I was like, yeah, the story is kind of weaker compared to other ones. Especially, like, just thinking about Camp Scare, which was the last animated one. I think the one that Nicole and I talked about was better than this one. But the vibes were good in this one. Like, I had fun. Like, I think my expectations weren't met because I had never seen this one, like you. Uh, So I expected them to time travel because you've seen the Cyber Chase one, right? Oh, yeah. And that's maybe my favorite Scooby movie. That's up there for one of my favorites. And they time travel to that one to the dinosaur level. And I thought this was going to have some time travel shenanigans where they go back in time. And that's the whole thing. And then they like have a caveman. I don't know why I thought that. But this was not what I expected. It was more paleontology as opposed to like time travel. Um, More uh, like I thought this was going to have a little Jurassic Park energy. And it did because there was a dinosaur, but that's about it. It was more like, yeah. oh, desert. This was giving alien invaders a little bit, like in terms of like the mines, the stuff that it reminded me a little bit of that one. Uh, I liked the aesthetic. I liked the the setting. I liked some of the characters that we got to meet. Like I'm a big fan of Tex. It was giving, uh, do you know the SpongeBob movie with that last guy? I had flashbacks to that scene when he's rolling up and he's later. We'll get to all this in the recap. But um, relatively speaking, this was, not the worst Scooby-Doo movie. It's not top tier, but it's like solid. It's like high threes, low fours in terms of the ring. Like, I think I gave it a 3.5 on Letterboxd. Okay. So look, there was a lot to but like that. That is not it. my Scooby-Doo ranking. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, that right. That is not so my final I, ranking yet. That makes sense. You said that you love Tex. I agree. Uh, we can talk about it, but he was great. Um, I liked the atmosphere. You know, I thought that the uh, Midwest Arizona vibe was pretty cool. And I... I really love uh, that, as you alluded to in the intro, we get 
this version of Shaggy that has become a meme. And I didn't realize that the Shaggy meme originated with this movie. But I guess the idea of Ultra Instinct Shaggy started with somebody making a remix of a montage from this film. Uh, and that was very exciting to me because that made me feel like at least I'm watching some history here. I I think for for me, it's a matter of I haven't been watching the Scooby movies back to back to back like you have. So it's hard for me to know if my nostalgic favorites are not as good as I remember or if this one did paleontology in comparison. Yeah. Um, so like what era of Scooby-Doo was your favorites? Because I know on your on your podcast and Twitch streams and YouTubes, you've talked about how you love Mystery Inc. You love What's New Scooby-Doo. You love all, even the classic one, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? But like, uh, do you have, uh, like, what is your comfort Scooby-Doo? Um, like, what are your top, like, I don't know, three episodes, movies, like Scooby-Doo experiences that you remember? Just so we get a little sure. table setting. So when you come into this. I think Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. that came out in 2010 is the best. And I think that's why I was a little disappointed by this one, because that show is nearly perfect. And mm -hmm. it came out a year before this. Um, but it's not my comfort viewing, necessarily. I still kind of prefer... Oh, gosh. It it's funny, because I'm going to drop you with maybe, like, some deep cuts. The first two seasons of Scooby-Doo are not my favorite, but I do really like the third because I felt like they upped the level with the villains that I thought looked a lot cooler. So Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Season 3, and also the ones that were paired with the Scooby-Doo and Dynamite Hour tended to be my favorite. The gang was all there. They were solving, I think, the best mysteries at the time. Uh, what's new Scooby-Doo? Major comfort because it was those... Uh, it was those old episodes again, but recreated for a new audience. And I felt like they really nailed it. Uh, and I also love Pup Named Scooby-Doo, which I thought was a hella underrated series um, with uh, the characters as children. So that would be maybe off the top of my head, some of my favorite series. And there've been a lot of bad ones too. Um, Name the bad ones. It... Uh, well, I'm going to spoil for the listeners a future podcast. Because uh, Al Alec was on Media Made Me, which I've talked about here and there on, especially on the Phineas and Ferb podcast, ironically, which is not hosted. It's on the Seth Sibling Network. But um, uh, Media Made Me is going to be an interview series where I talk to different content creators, film industry professionals, et cetera, about like how media has shaped them, both in terms of their personality and their identity and how. So that's that's just a tease. Alec's going to be on an episode. We recorded it. We're banking all the episodes. Alec on that episode. He came for the James Gunn Scooby-Doo movie uh, because I think it's also timely because today is the day that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 releases and uh, by extension, James Gunn's Marvel contract ends. Um, but uh, Alec came for that movie because he's a big Scrappy head. So, yes. go on. I love Scrappy-Doo, and I was so mad when they did him dirty in the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Uh, I'm assuming if people are listening to this, they know how that movie ends, and it is not good for Scrappy. He's the villain. He's, he just, dogs should never look that mean. You know, clearly something, something was wrong there, and I actually like the second live-action Scooby-Doo movie. I didn't say that at the time. Um, okay. I like it because there's no Scrappy and they sort of pull from some of the old villains. But again, these are childhood memories. I don't remember anything about that movie other than how mad I was about Scrappy being the villain. So, you know, 12-year-old Alec did not care about anything else other than the fact that they um, treated his beloved character that way. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, don't like the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Not for me. But no, I, I will. I will say that as far as, like, the animated series go, 
there there's some really rough ones. I think there's one series, I forget what it was called. Scrappy was in it, but it was also like Scooby Dumb and Shaggy's uncle or cousin in the Wild West is the weirdest version of Scooby Doo. And they weren't really solving mysteries. There was also Scooby, uh, Scrappy, and Shaggy, those three getting together, doing a bunch of, like, kind of mystery-solving, but they weren't actually unmasking any villains, and they were all, like, eight-minute shorts. They were just random adventure cartoons that I didn't feel like captured the imagination of the series. Uh, nowadays, we have a couple Scooby series that are not great. I'm, I don't even want to get into Velma. Didn't like it. Um... That would well, you're counts. the first guest who's actually seen Velma, so we can do our Velma minute at the end of the podcast if you want to. Great. Like, um, I'm trying to find more information. Is he on the Scooby-Doo show, the one that you didn't like? With, um, uh, with... Scooby-Dumb? Yeah, okay, and it's funny. I actually, I love Scooby-Dumb. Uh, I don't like the Wild West setting and the country uh, cousin of Shaggy's. It, it, was, yeah. it was a very weird show. Again, it, I, I don't like when Scooby-Doo goes more of the adventure than the mystery route, because the thing I love about it is them unmasking villains at the end. Um, yeah. There was also a show called Scooby and Shaggy Get a Clue. Same problem. They were going after villains, not monsters. Animation was a little weird. Um, so and... you're more into the monsters of the paranormal, or are you more into the science covering up the, the mysteries? Like, if That's you a really good one. question. So that's something definitely... Lindsay and I have discussed a couple times. I want a good monster design that, and I want a, a decent mystery. I, I think it's tricky because as you get older, it starts to get a little bit more predictable what's about to happen. Um, but I guess I, I don't really care so much about, oh yeah, the idea of there being like a conspiracy or science or anything like that, uh, or the monsters being real. I, I like the old school villain gets unmasked. There are three or four possible culprits. And I don't get it right every single time. Uh, that's yeah. kind of the, the sweet spot scenario for me. Um, see, I, I think as I've done this podcast, I like more and more have come to the conclusion that if it's done well, I don't mind a paranormal activity like Zombie Island. Even Ghoul School, like I enjoyed, especially the first half of it more than the second half. Uh, but mm -hmm. I really like a mystery. So that's why I think Zombie Island is good because it incorporates the mystery aspect and the like uh, Scooby-Doo, like, solving crimes sort of thing but at the end of the day there were monsters but if i had to pick i love the realism of it's a monster that is created by people who have a vendetta and they're trying to do something uh, but it's at the end of the day it's still in the world that this could actually be a thing i think that's something and i mean one of the reasons that i think i love scooby-doo as i reflect upon it as an uh, adult is there was like a sense of travel and adventure that was exciting and that you could do different fun things animation wise. Like in this one, we had the motorcycle race on the cliffs. Uh, yeah. But like, if you go to Australia, there's a whole different thing versus where if there was an episode in France, like you can play with the environment and there was a lot of travel, which I think I appreciated as a kid, but didn't realize I appreciated as much. Like the monster of Mexico and Hawaii ones stood out to me because they were so unique in the story. Um, so that's why I love it, but I think I love it because there's um, the unmasking. The unmasking is such a quintessential part of my Scooby-Doo experience that I would prefer if it's regular, degular humans, but if it's like some cat werewolf thing like in Zombie Island, that's okay as long as there's an unmasking portion of the, of the movie or episode. Yeah, as long as there's a mystery to be solved. I think that's a really yes. good point because Zombie Island is great. Ghoul School is great, and I even love Reluctant Werewolf. Um, that yes, was you one love of my that one, but you also love Wacky Racers. 
I do. I know there's something about the cartooniness of a racetrack car race that's great, which is funny because I hate NASCAR. But I, I think uh, something that you touched on that was interesting to me is that the movies do this really well. Uh, right. The environment changes. It seems like the Scooby-Doo movies, at least for a while, started having everyone just go to a completely different geographic place. And that was the setting for what was ever about to happen. And I think that's a great formula uh, for the films. Um, and, you know, I was talking a lot about the series. It didn't really talk so much about the animated movie experience. I think it's really cool that the Scooby franchise continues to live on with brand new movies being made constantly. I think that's that's really cool uh, for different generations of kids being able to grow up it with it uh you know especially scooby-doo in general being a franchise that has been able to grow up with so many brand new generations of kids but i i think i, I that is probably the thing i like the most about the movies i like that we went to loch ness and hawaii uh and some weird monster movie type places such as the ghoul school or um mm -hmm. wherever they were in reluctant werewolf um, and again, here, like like I said, I think that was one of the most fun parts. When you add a new environment, you get an opportunity to do a lot with it, and that can sort of propel a plot forward. I guess where this one lost me a little bit is, A, a super cringy Velma plot that we'll talk about. And I, I honestly, I think that might have just been it. Like, that piece of the writing was so hard to watch for me that it kept pulling me out of it. Uh, and all I really want my Scooby to be is fun. It doesn't have to be good. I love a ton of Scooby shows that are not good per se. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, we but can, on uh, paper, if you want to start the recap. Yeah, no, we'll start the recap shortly. But on paper, listen, I know you have your love for Scrappy, but I think the Scooby-Doo live action, the first one, is so much fun. Like, even if you have issues with the plot, I can't, I feel like it's such a fun movie. I don't know. Do you, have you rewatched it as That's an adult? Or can you not stomach it? <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I haven't, and there's think, a part of me that thinks maybe it would be worth my time. If you want to do know. it as part of a podcast and, like, unpack Ooh. your childhood trauma about how Scrappy was done dirty, uh, does, does your brother like the live action, or does he is he team Scrappy with you? You know, I think he might be ambivalent. I, I've tried to get him <laughs> to, to do a video with me about why Scrappy's great, but, like, our show has moved a long way from where that original vision was when we were trying to do theoretical uh, concepts like that. Uh, we never were really able to get traction on viewers for that kind of content. I think it's interesting, though, and I feel like there's not enough scrappy defenders out there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe one day I will revisit it. Of this, of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, with that said, shall we start recapping? Yeah, yeah, walk us through it. I may, maybe as we go through it, I'll I'll actually have even fonder thoughts than I did. Well, first off, we start with this intro sequence, which I've been loving. This they did this in Camp Scare with the little fun animation that's different. I love it. Keep going. Hopefully, it's a trend for the next couple of movies because I enjoy it with a little song at the start. I noticed the last one also had three songs. This one had three songs, so I said, "Keep it going. Keep it going." Um, I agree. I loved that too. Anyways, uh, Shaggy screams at the doctor office. Doctor, voiced by Malik Pancholi. So if you're a fan of what you're doing, you'll know that's Baljeet. But uh, I got super excited when I saw that at the voice credits at the end. Um, but uh, I didn't uh, write down the thing that he gets diagnosed with. I wrote acute overacting, and then I didn't write it down. The rest. I, I got distracted by the next thing that happened. Uh, but we find the flashback that this started at the Naval Phantom Officer's mansion Scooby-Doo mystery thing. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby are separated, as always, uh, because Fred and Daphne and Velma go off. 
and uh, the ghosts chase them, chase Shaggy into a closet, and there's a ton of old skeletons there looking at him, and he starts screaming. And as they're trying to confess, Shaggy is wheeled off into an ambulance. I really like the villain design for the pirate ghost thing that they did for that opening sequence. Um, Considering it was really like the whole purpose of this segment was just to say, oh, it's a Scooby mystery, and we're pointing out why Shaggy just had this reaction and why he can't stop screaming. For for an opening montage, really, really good villain design. They spent time on it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I I appreciate it. Like, the animation in this movie, I think, was top-notch. Like, that I'll say. Like, I'll give them their flowers for that. Even though the plot was lackluster, I thought, I thought, I don't know, maybe you disagree. You're more of the cartoon animation expert than I am. Uh, But I thought this was a fun animation style. And they, they, this is a newer formula. They have been doing this. This is only the second animated movie that was done in this style after Camp Scare. Uh, Abracadabra Do. Um, Oh, no, Abracadabra Do was also like this. Samurai Sword was the last one in the old traditional era of like what's new Scooby-Doo. Uh, so this is more revamp style. And I really like this style. Um, and I like, I mean, the setting as of course we talked about, but I, I, I'm a fan of this newer era. And it reminds me of Mystery Inc. Even though I didn't see that show as much as you and Lou did. Gotcha. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't love it as much, oh. um, but it was hard for me to know. Because the truth is, like, I watch a lot of cartoons, but I am by no means, like, an expert on animation technique. Uh, I just kind of know what feels good to the eyes. And I think the disconnect for me is simply that I am accustomed to the old style. So it yeah. almost took me out of it. It didn't. It, it felt like the characters were not the same characters uh, as a result of the different animation, which... Even Mystery Inc. when it started did that for me a little bit. I had to get used to it, which tends to happen every time they readapt it. And I really think that's just my, you know, old man get off my lawn mentality talking. Uh, no, and it makes else. sense because I, I think the only reason that I like it is because these are movies I'm not super familiar with. Whereas like the childhood ones, like they are sense. Whereas like maybe if I had seen this as a kid, I wouldn't have liked it as much. But because I'm like, looking at it oh i'm like this is a new era of scooby-doo and like i can compartmentalize that but if it was like really adapting to the style when i was newer like i remember i don't know if you've seen this show but chaotic which was a card game and a tv show on um the, the kids wb i think uh it's a card oh, it's like one of those Yu Gi Oh. here let me look it up okay. um yeah that's a surprisingly sure. one that i haven't heard of and i feel like i'd heard of most I'm looking at um, too. So they changed animation styles between season one and two, and I remember I really didn't like it. Um, That's a so bold that move. A, wow. Yeah. Um, I remember it really bothered me, but it's an American-Canadian animated science fantasy show provided by uh, produced by 4Kids Entertainment, um, and then it was based off the Danish card game. And, uh, yeah, so I really – it was on Cartoon Network, 4Kids TV, and Teletoon on Canada. So – if anyone has seen Chaotic, sound off on the social medias because I loved Chaotic. And it was like a very cool. niche thing that I feel like even kids who love cartoons don't know it. Wow. Uh, you know what's funny? It, it immediately um, started suggesting other things to me similar, which was like Martin Mystery and Secret Saturdays. I both shows love that I did Martin see. Mystery. Me too. I love Nobody Mystery. knows about that one either. We, speaking great. of Martin Mystery, did you see Totally Spies is getting a reboot? Or a season I seven? did, yeah, which even better. I think the fact that it's a true continuity, um, really yeah. cool news. My wife loved Totally Spies. That was one of her favorite I shows. I watched so. Amazing Spies, the spinoff of it. Nice. Like, 
that was like that. I loved that uh, genre. Like bring back Martin Mystery also. Well, also uh, wait until the writer strike. But to be clear, this podcast stands with the writer strike and Same. we stand with the WGA because uh, yep. they have provided so much content to us, and we want them to be paid. Uh, just like doing a podcast like this, I put in two hours of work. I'm sure Alec put in hours of work because you have to watch the movie. That's just like a podcast where we goof off. Writers spend so much time and effort putting the stories that we love on TV. So we stand with the writers. Um, we do. And I uh, should probably move on to Scooby-Doo now, but that, that was just something that came top of mind. That topical. is an important <laughs> point. I have not been able to do any content since the writer's strike started. And uh, that's absolutely uh, a good point that we got to bring up here. Ever since I've started yeah. making content, I've realized how hard it is just to do small things. And writers, the amount of things they have to go through to recycle their work and have it reviewed and changed, and then it ends up not getting used, it's it's rough. Um, I, yeah. I've, I've got a special place in my heart for the animation writers because they have yeah. just been really thrilled Although, over the last I mean, couple of years. But. Transparently, I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed that the Finnish and Ferb writers are working in the last two days, and I think the animation writers should stand with the regular writers, because they're in a different union. So, uh, oh, Man, especially the they union. should. They really yeah. should, because there have been so many cancelled animated projects. I, Man, I wonder if they're just afraid that their project is going to get cancelled, too. I don't know. It's, it's hard Ferb, to make an animation. Like, yeah. Yeah, like that's they're wild. Gonna, they're going to make Finnish. Anyways. Uh, anyways. So uh, they're like, the doctor says, no mystery machine. Uh, they go to Shaky Joe's Cafe. Um, is Shaky Joe a character we see that often, or is it just kind of a one-off thing? Um, I definitely I, think it was a one-off. Oh, it'd be funny if there was a character called Shaky Joe that, uh, you know, is just wild and drops coffee. I, I laughed. Yeah. He, he loves coffee, and he gives Scooby some coffee. Scooby is wild in this moment he's like spinning around uh i don't think you're supposed to give dogs coffee um that's my that's my assumption as in never having owned a dog alec i believe you're yeah, a dog owner or have been i <laughs> i am i've never researched it but i don't think i would uh you know yeah. I, I wouldn't my dog doesn't need coffee he's wild enough as he is yeah uh but uh we also find out that fred is failing his class because it's a physics class and he set a booby trap and boobied his professor and i'm like bro what the heck uh, but he needs extra credit, otherwise he'll fail and won't be able to graduate. I'm assuming college or grad school or something. Um, but I, well, uh, actually, that's a good question. I was trying to figure out how old the characters are in this. Well, are we still high school, Mystery Inc., or are we, are we in college? And I I felt like the implication was that Windsor, who we get introduced to later and wants to date Velma, is in college. So I hope well, he's a grad and assume student, he was a grad student. Does that mean yeah. that that the implication is college then, right? Like college grad, or po 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 like post college, like student? Yeah. Uh, like I feel like he's going for his master's or PhD or something. So we have to assume that the the mystery ain't gang is in college at this point, and I would rather not live in a world where that's not the case. I've always assumed that they are like at the very least like twenty two, right out of college. Like that, even as a kid, I was like, oh, these are like young adults they are not I like don't think, um, no i i think that's a good way to suspend your disbelief but, but i'm some, pretty sure they've always been teenagers yeah but like even like, though on paper they're supposed to be teenagers i've always assumed they're oh, yeah. not in high school even though sometimes they try to put them in high school like if they want to do an origin story sure like um i know i know the live action one that Lindsay and i just did was like trash but like i like the fact that they were like doing an origin story type thing uh, i like the first robbie amell Haley kyoko live action one i think that one was good the second one was trash 
garbage. Okay. Um, but uh, they, I think they can try to do like high school stories if they want, if it's like an origin story. But I like that, even though on paper they're in high school, I think they're like, no, they're, they are young adults. Even though they're teen crime solvers. No, I, I in my head, cause like Daphne and Fred are having <laughs> the badonka donks. I don't know. That's the that's, implication no. a lot of the time. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess in this movie especially, we just have to really hope and assume that the intention was always for them to not be high school kids. Yeah. Also, like, Velma is way too smart to be a high schooler. I'm sorry. Like, young Sheldon, she... <laughs> young Sheldon, she's not. She is, she's, a, like, a woman. I also think, like, I like to live in the world that they're adults. They don't have the resources to travel the world if they're in high school. I don't think. I know Fred's and Fred and Daphne are rich. I mean, in but, Mystery Inc. Um, and Velma, they are both explicitly like stated to be in high school it's part of the plot yeah um well those feel more origin story type stuff i will say that well well i will say for mystery inc there's a scene in the very first episode where they have a museum of all of the villains that they've encountered throughout their time which it's hard because they play with the canons and that is i I don't it's not a complaint the scooby verse is wide but i think if you were actually trying to chart out yeah yeah you could chart out so many different scenarios that are canonical versus not it's very it's impossible to say um so we're just going to assume in this specific movie uh they're in college and that is because sure. uh, velma and windsor are just uncomfortably in, in some kind of relationship situation mm-hmm. oh, gosh I, I i'm teasing how much i hated this but please continue yeah. well so they end up going to la serena um which gives like new mexico arizona um i was like oh this is a cute little location um and then one of them is like wait but shaggy's not allowed in this car and fred's like no it's the mustard machine he's allowed um so uh how do you feel about mustard is that where do you rank that on your condiment list (laughs) on my condiment list i think i'm a ranch guy uh so i i think maybe ranch one ketchup two honey mustard three honey mustard below ketchup um, well, honey okay. mustard's good, but I don't like regular mustard. Um, okay. Give me some other condiments. What, what I don't like relish. Ugh, not big on mayonnaise. Well, but I like, I like a very light dose of mayonnaise. Okay, ba- barbecue's good. Barbecue's like four. Teriyaki. So, oh, just kidding. Teriyaki is like above ketchup. Cool. But it depends well, on the And then the where would mustard be? Like, mustard would be Lower. like closer to it'd mayonnaise? Be a, yeah, it'd be above mayo and relish you know actually you know what i'm probably more likely to have mayo on a sandwich even though the idea of eating mayo disgusts me more than eating mustard straight up uh but i think just putting it lightly on a sandwich i would still put mayo first i think mustard my favorite i like unless it's honey mustard i think mustard is best on a hot dog and on like mcdonald's burgers (laughs) all right well i think this is the Uh, definitive ranking then uh yeah um anyways they meet dr hubley who doesn't know anyone's names and thinks shaggy is the dog um and he wants locals to sell land he makes this awkward joke about like haunted ghosts this movie had a little bit of meta commentary at times which i did like i appreciated those moments uh, but i don't think meta commentary is for everyone so some people don't like it but i i appreciated it um oh me too i'm all about meta yeah. commentary uh, anyways, and then we see uh, Scooby and Shaggy fight for a biscuit, and they try to split it. It falls on the ground, and it rolls, and a lizard steals it. And the Fantasaur first makes its appearance because it chases Scooby around. 
Um, and that is when we first meet the Phantasaur. Now, Shaggy doesn't meet the Phantasaur in this moment. Very important. Um, any thoughts on the Phantasaur in the first introduction? Yeah, my first intro is that this is just a dinosaur. Uh, this yeah. does nothing for me uh, as far as being interested in the villain that we presumably are introduced to. But I got surprised yeah. later and it made me happier. It, in hindsight, knowing that it was a Phantasaur makes sense. And I should have realized it was a ghost dinosaur, not like not like a real dinosaur like I thought it was. Um, right. Anyways, uh, Velma ends up meeting Windsor and the um, doctor, what's her name? Svank Maher? Spankmeyer, I don't know. Spankmeyer, I think, is what they went with. Okay, Spankmeyer. Or, uh, or Spankmeyer. S B A N K M A J E R. Um, voiced by Finella Hughes. Meanwhile, uh, Matthew Gray Goobler voiced um, uh, Windsor. So uh, that we had some voice cast uh, fun stuff here. Uh, Matthew Gray, I hated your character. <laughs> um, I'm never this harsh about anything, but. I get very passionate about Scooby-Doo. It's, like, the one thing that can really get me going. For sure, as you should. But also, like, it literally was man Velma. Velma, if she uh, was born a man and, like, grew up and, like, a cis man. So I was just like, okay, so Velma, is your type yourself? It's so cringy. They are exactly the same. There's a scene where they're riding in the mystery machine and their haircuts, glasses, and faces look like they're just clones of each other. And I was just like, gosh, this feels so... Illegal. Yeah, thanks. That's the best way of putting what I was trying to say. Like, are we sure this took place in New Mexico or did it take place in Alabama? Ah. <laughs> oh, Anyways. man. I'll leave that there. I'll leave that there right where it's Do you want to go on? The, I think there's a perfect opportunity to, like, rip into Windsor later on. Great. Uh, so let's, have, let's save our Windsor discussion for a little bit. Um, like Sounds all your thoughts on the whole story. Um, so uh, they are paleontologists um, and uh, Scooby finds this giant dinosaur bone and he hides it. I'm like, yes, Scooby, slay. Um, and we get another Phantasaur attack. Uh, so this is when Shaggy gets broken because they go on the minecart and there's a end and Shaggy's just like shaking his teeth and he's just like kind of twitching everywhere. And they're like, Shaggy's broken um because of his acute overacting blank blank it was a four-word phrase that i didn't write down completely uh, <laughs> alec uh how do you feel about hypnosis um i've seen it on uh, a cruise ship and i was very surprised to see that it seemed pretty legit um and since then i did research say there's a way that they randomly picked different people out of this audience or that people were acting now, hypnosis is a pretty legit thing and it spooks me. It's supposed to be that you wouldn't do anything that you wouldn't okay. normally do. But, like, uh, I, I mean, I do to, believe. To uh, This is my pitch for your next episode of Gravity Bros. If you don't have a cryptid to talk about, hypnosis. I think that's a good I one. I don't think has a lot of come thought. up. I think your brother would have I bet a lot he of has a ton of thoughts. Yeah, my bro is very into that kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, it, it's freaky. I, I don't even fully understand the science behind it, but um, being a person who comes from science myself, I don't like to throw out that things of that origin just are, you know, legitimate on their own. But I think there's plenty of science to back up that hypnosis is a real thing. Um, yeah. Well, and Dr. Hubley is uh, into, like, spa treatment, like, Eastern medicine. It seems like he does some aromatherapy, um, and Scooby puts in a Scooby snack to make it work. <laughs> 
So we find out there's berries assorted in some in the Scooby Snacks, which I I would think. Listen, marijuana companies are doing a disservice to not make Scooby Snack edibles. That's all I'm gonna say. I think there's so much money on the table there. Obviously, they have to go to copyright. Maybe the kids' cartoons don't want that branded, so maybe there's they've tried. But I think there is a service. There's like such an opportunity there because it has been like sometimes blatant, sometimes just like beat around the bush. But the Scooby Gang, they like to partake, and that is a very common uh, trope, if not like general understanding. So I think I think there is like a good opportunity for marketing for Scooby-Doo there with this industry cross industry promotion. Honestly, the amount of marketability of the Scooby-Doo franchise in general is astronomical. There's the amount that they could do with that. All of it. I think there's no one that I haven't had. I I need to get a little stand here so I can put Scooby here. uh, When I do the Scooby pod, right. I should get a little like small stand that I could put like whatever podcast I'm on has like a little display icon. Right, I need to. I need to figure that out. Um, wow, that was. I don't, I, podcast I like listeners, like, I'm sure your listeners already know that you have this Scooby Doo token. Uh, that was a, that like a Funko Pop. a Funko? It was a little Funko Pop yeah. of Scooby. I loved it. That was great. So uh, y'all can go check it out on YouTube potentially, but I like this angle, so I don't want to lower it and have him on the table. Uh, so I, because um, otherwise you would just like stare at my stomach and uh, the Scooby Doo thing. So I don't think anyone wants that. There's an idea. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so yeah, so Doctor Hubley is like, uh, let's tell. He tells us the backstory of the Fantasaur. So it's the Tolkapaya tribe, um, and they basically had. It was a story about colonization, um, and to protect their land, they had the ceremony and they had this fantasaur created. It was a monster that was much more dangerous than the one they intended. They thought it was going to be like some big dogs or maybe like a coyote or something, uh, maybe a bear. But no, they got the fantasaur. And the fantasaur is now this tail. And uh, now it's back, apparently. Uh, So Dr. Hubley uses the uh, hypnosis on Shaggy, though. And anytime that he says the word bad, Shaggy reverts to confident Shaggy. And then if it's said again, he reverts to normal Shaggy. But the doctor gets himself under hypnosis and forgets what the word is. And Scooby has this like side plot where he's trying to figure out the word for the whole movie. And we'll get to when he does figure it out, but go off Alec. I feel like you have thoughts. This was my favorite part of the movie. I loved confident Shaggy or ultra instinct Shaggy as the, uh, the memes say. Um, He was so fun. The way that they introduced this, I thought was executed really well. It's no wonder it picked up steam as a remix. Um, I don't know. It's there's something about uh, seeing Shaggy as the coward suddenly get a character growth opportunity and be totally different. That's kind of satisfying, mm-hmm. considering we only get one version of that character really uh, through history. Um, I don't oh, know. So it added a little time it doesn't reoccur. Um, I don't think so. Okay, so it's just from the memes then. Oh well, yeah. As far as yeah, as far as I know, and then they also in the multiverses video game where Shaggy is a playable character. I think Ultra Instinct Shaggy is that is in the game as that version of himself. Did I? I hope not. I Shaggy think he said Baggy, like B A D. Definitely not on purpose. <laughs> um. Anyways, so here we go. Uh, Velma's crushing hard on Windsor. Also, it's kind of uncomfortable because they're talking about how snakes go to the lower caverns. And I was like, mm, that, that's a euphemism, mm. it feels like. I don't know. <laughs> 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 hey, we wanna... 
I hope it not was. To go, oh no. I don't know if it was intentional, but all I could think of was how Windsor probably wanted to have his snake going. Nope, we're gonna oh, have to finish that sentence. No, 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 no. I hate that already, uh, Felipe. Daphne and Fred, uh, Velma's crushing hard on him, and they're walking to the, the mystery machine before the scene even happens. And Daph is like, I don't know anything about crushes. Let's get on the machine. Like, I, I think Daphne was a lot of fun this movie. She didn't have as much to do as she sometimes normally does. Um, I feel like the MVPs of the movie, like in terms of screen time, like Velma's not getting my MVP, just to be clear. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like screen time presence, I feel like this was much more of a Velma Shaggy movie and Scooby and Daphne and Fred kind of took a back seat to the overall plot. And I think Daphne especially was like five out of five in terms of screen time for this film. Yeah, so this was weird to me. Is that This is the only moment we got the entire movie where there was kind of an awkward Daphne-Fred thing. And it felt like that was supposed to pay off in some way. Because it wasn't, it didn't feel like a joke where this is a one-time gag that we're making. And oh yeah, Daphne and Fred like each other. It felt like there was an implication of, oh, they're going to have to have a discussion later about the fact that they like each other, which has definitely been done plenty of other times in Scooby franchises. But it, it never paid off. Did, did that feel weird to you? Or, or did it feel to you from the beginning like it was just a one-off joke? I think it was a one-off joke. Uh, sometimes they elaborate more on the Daphne-Fred stuff. Uh, but it's usually when there's like a character that either of them is simping for, but Velma was the simp in this movie. So yeah. um, like usually it's like, uh in like in zombie island it's like the hot detective and then there's like one of the cat women and they each have a little side crush but then they both get jealous where uh and then in another movie it's like fred has a crush on the magician's assistant and never could ever do uh but like and daphne gets a little insecure but here they were both kind of like not crushing on anyone else so it wasn't really addressed yeah That's my theory. I, I don't know it, it definitely um felt like uh, one of the weaknesses of the writing. Just, yeah. I, I don't know. I always want something to It was to pay very off. nice compared to the last Scooby-Doo movie we talked about here on the podcast because that one was very petty and Fred was like, Robbie Amell was like, oh, I'm just playing the field for the summer. And it was just kind of gross and I didn't like it. So, and yeah. then Daphne- Yeah, don't like, like that either. Very, I, I think you should watch it just so you can hate watch it, but also you might, you should watch it on 2.5X or whatever. So you don't have oh. to sit through it. Hot take, they should throw all the relationship drama away for these movies. I don't think it's fun with Daphne and Fred. I don't think it's fun with Velma. The problem is these are characters that have lasted a lifetime. So you can have Mm -hmm. something that happens in one movie, but then it basically just gets erased into the canonical uh, ether of the Scoobyverse. I don't know. I I, I think it, it might just be that I had such a stark reaction to the Velma Windsor thing. Um, And what's Daphne and Fred, I guess I have come to expect it over time. But even in the old Scooby-Doo shows, the Daphne-Fred thing evolved over time. They were never really romantically entangled in the original show. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, thing. And we can talk more about it when we get to Velma, because I definitely have thoughts on what they could do with this relationship and where it should yeah. stay. Um, I think it depends on projects. if they have time. Yeah, sorry. I feel like it depends on if they have time to make it compelling. If there's no yeah. time to make it compelling, then I would rather it not be there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so we have two scenes happening at this time that's kind of like going back and forth. So we'll start with the Velma, Daphne, Fred thing. They catch up with Windsor, and Windsor's like, hey, Velma, you have very pretty nostrils. Alec, well, first of all, let me compliment you. You have pretty good nostrils as well, I assume. I can't really see you up close uh, based on your Yeah, if I could just but... like get in on the camera a little bit, I think that you will yeah. find that they are beautiful. Uh, so... <laughs> 
Yeah. What, what thoughts on, should I start using that when I go to bars and be like, yo, you have very cute nostrils. Definitely. Listen, it's at least a conversation starter. Um, I, I, I've heard that, uh, you, you should ask, what is it? Uh, do you floss? Um, no, no, no. no one says that. That's a Steven Fishback thing. That is like, it's like, I think I am very, uh, I feel strongly that that is a Steven Fishback pickup line that I don't think anyone else has ever used, unless you have multiple examples. I'm afraid not. Uh, but I think that Steven Fishback is pretty much the authority, if you ask me. Yes. Um, but no, Steven, uh, Steven uh, I remember them talking about that on a podcast one time. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely podcast. was uh, exactly um, where I heard it from. So yeah, then this is also where like we're gonna go upstream, and then in hindsight, it's obviously like he was trying to avoid them going down the route because they had the stuff down there. Um, meanwhile, the more interesting part of the side plot was that uh, Shaggy and um, and Scooby go to Faith's Vegan All You Can Eat buffet, um, and the bikers show up there, and they like cause controversy, and someone says the word bad, and Shaggy whips them all around the room and like beats them all up, and then Tex shows up challenges him to a motorcycle race shaggy says yes and it's at midnight and then tex says you're gonna it's gonna be a bad night or something and then shaggy unsnaps out of it and he's freaking out uh i love tex another highlight um really fun character introduced here the way that him and shaggy sort of have this mutual respect for each other over the the rest of the movie again the shaggy storyline was never my problem i think it's great it's a like I feel like such a prude having the whole movie be ruined for me by one thing. But can, can I and I, I don't want to get carried away with the Velma Windsor thing because I do want to give the movie its flowers where it deserves. This scene with Shaggy was so fun. Um, yeah, it's something that you never see from him. Uh, I also really like the way that he sort of like I guess loses the confidence and has to deal with it. Also interesting to me because he was still himself. This is hypnosis. They did a nice job of not having it be like he was under a spell or anything. He still understands everything that he said in the situation he got into. Um, and I think it would have been a weakness if they tried to treat it more like he was brainwashed or, you know, some other character was inhabiting his body or something like that. Yeah. Um, Tex was giving Dennis from SpongeBob when uh, the SpongeBob movie, when he's like biking in the, and we just see this shadowy figure in the distance. Dennis. And I was like, see, as soon like, as you Dennis, said the name. Um, wow. yeah. yeah. Anyway, so this was a fun scene, like you said, and I thought the action set piece was a lot of fun. Like, this is fun to see Shaggy. Like, this is fun to see in the Scooby Doo universe because we don't really see like big fight scenes. We see chase scenes all the time, but we don't really see like a fight scene. And this was fun and probably exciting for the animators to do. I appreciate um, Shaggy and Scooby getting their money's worth at the buffet. Uh, my right? my friend group has a famous story where I went to a buffet and proved how much I could eat because I wanted to get my money's worth and then basically had to get rolled out. So yeah. uh, I related was, to Shaggy. What was, uh, what was your favorite thing that you ate at that buffet before it was like you were rolled out in a wheelbarrow? <laughs> oh, well, it was Trails End Restaurant at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort um, back when they did all-you-can-eat breakfast. Um, and oh, Disney has good food. Yeah, yeah, Disney does have good food. Um, it, it, I feel like uh, the fact that I can't remember it off the top of my head speaks more to the fact that I did not savor the meal the way that uh, one should. Um, yeah. But they did have amazing uh, juice. It was called jungle juice, but not the kind that's like alcoholic. Uh, yeah. It was more like guava. And Ooh, that like guava. is what I remember more than uh, the meal itself. But, you know, 
You got your Mickey waffles, which are not good, but they look like Mickey. So hey, you know, I love the Mickey waffles. I love waffles though. Waffles are like probably one of my favorite foods. And I just came to that conclusion right now. But as I'm thinking about it, <laughs> like I love waffles. Nice. Yeah, and I love waffles, waffles also. Ah, Waddles the Pig. Plug for Gravity Bros, the Gravity Falls Rewatch podcast that is also on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Y'all have been tearing it up. I've been a big fan. Like, I didn't realize how much I missed you all. And, like, I get that it's a lot of hard work. I will be missing y'all when you're done since I don't think you're going to make time, at least in the near future, to do another Rewatch podcast. Um, Yeah, it's (laughs) – I I really admire the amount of work that you put into all these. I think I didn't realize how much work it took to get a good podcast finished and produced and the time it takes to set it up. So bravo to you and everything that you've done. Let me let me shower you with compliments because I've been trying to work on getting a Twitch stream and a Discord. And like you already have the YouTube thing, which is a lot of hard work because you also have to edit video. Like transparently, I'm probably not going to edit this video. It's going to be like unless I edit edit the audio, I'm not going to do anything to the uh, usually I just listen to the podcast back and like adjust sound settings, but I don't really do a ton of edits unless like I have to cut something out, uh, which has happened. Uh, but uh, lately it hasn't really been happening much. This has been pretty live to tape. Uh, so people will listen to this conversation if they are listening to this podcast. Uh, but yeah. uh, you edit video and you like have graphics and like just getting a Twitch stream up is like a lot of hard work. Discord, like I am feel like an idiot when i'm trying to like play around with my discord because i'm working on getting one set up and Corey b has been helpful behind the scenes so shout out to him but uh like i i feel stupid i'm like how do you do this but like this is hard work but it's fun work (laughs) right the philosophy of content creation is so hard and complicated and i feel like different people are good and enjoy different things my brother loves to edit and if he didn't i sure as hell couldn't do it um yeah because it's that's the longest hardest part of the process and it's nice, like, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that I've done as an individual, but I was talking to some other, uh, this duo, Deja and Divey, they're twins, and yeah. we did a media meet me with them, uh, and that will be part of the series that you're on, Alec, but they were talking about how, like, one of them loves to be more, like, the creative person and, like, do, like, the, the art stuff and, like, the, like the, that kind of stuff, and then one of them is more of, like, the logistical editor also brain, so it's like, oh, you can divide and conquer Whereas, like, yeah. for me, I wish, like, I could, like, make my brother help me out. But he does not want to be in the content creation game. Uh, I tried yeah. to do a Ben well, 10 podcast with him last year, and he was like, yes, and then we never filmed a single episode. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I do feel like having my brother there is probably the reason I'm still at it. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that you're you're still going for it solo, it's so much harder. Uh, and, and I respect it because I – so even sometimes I wonder if I can keep doing it for however long and that's why you start like, to get other interests. And I, I, I feel that lately. Like, I love doing this podcast, and I want to keep doing it. It's just, like, I feel guilty when I don't put enough, enough time because, I mean, working five days a week and then trying to do comedy on the side and also trying to do, like, the extracurriculars of the comedy scene where it's, like, going to open mics, working out new material, um, yeah. going to shows, trying to have a social life and also – Right now, um, I, it's a good time for writers to be writing and have stuff ready for when the strike is done. And I also have this other project that I'm working on for Post Show Recaps uh, that I'm just like, ah, overwhelmed with like the lack of time, but wanting to do so much. So I definitely, I definitely, um, power to all the content creators out there, like, uh, especially like the one person or two person machines that keep things going. Like y'all are, yep. y'all are incredible and hard workers and we see you and even if it feels like you're not doing any work because a lot of the content is fun like just the process of notes that's work that i didn't even realize like my therapist was like no that's work and i was like what 
that's not work. I'm doing it for fun. And she's like, no, that's still work. And even if you're having fun oh, yeah. doing it, you're still putting in effort that like, you're not being paid for this effort. You're doing it because you care about it. And that's still work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So anyways, that was our, our self-love moment. Alec, yes. high five. High five through the computer. <laughs> yes. Um, now let's get back to roasting Windsor because Daphne and Fred see the Thama trope, which this bothered me a little bit because it's like they, these were obviously like kind of MacGuffins. Like they were like, like I don't mind when Scooby-Doo will have a MacGuffin uh, or like this red herring uh, there to, uh, they were like, they were obvious, so obviously not like, cause they were in one scene and then we were supposed to believe they were a whole thing and they had no character interaction. I don't mind a red herring at all. I actually appreciate them if they're done well, if, if there's like a subversion. But these two were placed on the scene just so that we had people that we were sus of. And they had no character interaction with any of the four or five, which is part of the thing that I love about Scooby is that like they build these relationships with these characters. And then it is a betrayal. Like Windsor, Velma yeah. is betrayed by Windsor. Not enough because she's still waiting for him outside of jail, which like, ew. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a betrayal to the trust that they built with the community that they find themselves involved in. And that's part of the frustration that I had with the, uh, what are they called? The Thaumatrope mining duo, uh, Mr. Babbitt and Miss Dedich. Yeah, this went nowhere. And I have to look it up was, their names. <laughs> it was so strange because at first it was like, okay, cool. We're getting more suspects introduced and they're going to be the red herring. They won't be behind anything. Fine. Um, it's a long movie. You've got time to fill. But <laughs> I guess it's not that long of a movie. They end up, and I'm sorry if I'm skipping ahead here, but these characters are the culprits all of a sudden, but briefly, because this is way, this is not even close to the true ending of the movie. And we're sort of teased with, oh yeah, they were the ones behind the dinosaurs the whole time. And it does feel so weirdly and unnecessarily placed, like you're just trying to stretch out the segment, because why not just Mm -hmm. eliminate them and have the true culprits having been behind that, I guess. Maybe the idea was we're trying to make the audience think it's over and then we're telling them no, but the real threat is on the way. Still could have been the same mm-hmm. culprits. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so uh, just because I know we're on a time crunch. So I'm going to speed up the plot recap because we still have our segments to do. And I, I know we have a little bit of a heart out. Um, yeah. So Daphne and Fred see them and they're like, they're sketch. And then Velma's preoccupied with the date as Daphne's trying to do research, but she still has enough like, capability that she can like plug in with one hand the like information she needs and then she's like italian and fred's like what and she's like italian or french for dinner and she's applying lipstick and she's like getting ready for her day she's like or sushi but i don't like salmon eggs and i was like velma get your head in the game where's troy bolton when you need him velma because you need (laughs) to get it together you are on a case no time for boys you can date in your off time or like also like it's frustrating because Velma's usually like such like above ground, like keeping everything together. So I did appreciate the fact that they were trying something new, but it was the last movie that I watched with Velma having a date and Velma's character was being bastardized. So I'm tired. Velma's on a low streak right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, all right. Let's talk this through really quick. Right. So yeah. Let's, let's pop it, off. So, cause uh, it, let me just set up, let me just set up. Cause then the next thing we do get is um, uh, Velma going on the date. Uh, and they're at the sushi restaurant. They both don't like salmon eggs. They say, basically, you're like me if I was the other gender. Um, and she says something about the fan store, and Windsor's like, forget about the fan store. Why don't you focus on the fan store? I'm like, no, all she focuses on you. But anyways, go off, Alec. Pop off. Yeah, Here's they literally time. bond. They bond over being clones of each other and use those words, which is so weird. Um, but is, 
is the fact that this is out of character for Velma a bad thing? And I, th- this is me getting ahead of the part of this that I hate. Because... I do wonder, right? We see, we have seen these characters in so many iterations over so many years, and I think part of the reason people have responded so poorly to the new Velma is really just the comparison effect of having these beloved characters be so utterly changed. Because we love the originals, and we don't want to see it change. And it is a little bit odd for me to see a character like Velma, who's never really in these situations, suddenly acting in this way that feels so unlike her but I can't even necessarily say it's not fair for the writers to try it because it's almost like all of these movies stand on their own and are non-canonical from each other. Is that the vibe you're getting as you walk through, that there is no continuity whatsoever with these different movies Mm -hmm. as we're going through them? Yeah, which can be frustrating, but can also be fun because it's like, I appreciate the fact that there's so much Scooby-Doo lore out there that theoretically they could always revisit but they never will because it's kind of like everything is its own standalone project and they always like i like that fact that it's like such a expanded universe but there's also like sometimes i don't know sometimes i would like them to have continuity sometimes i want them not to if that makes sense like there's aspects about the like standalone stuff the anthology if you will that i like but then there's also aspects of like i love what Mike White is doing with the White Lotus because different characters can pop in in different seasons, but every season is unique to basically, uh, well, now it might be more of a continuous story and that might be the overall story. But uh, I like the concept of like, oh, this character can pop up here. This character can pop up here and they're around, but like most of it is its own like story. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a piece of me that loves something like the MCU where there's so much, there's such a wealth of content to pull from and so many characters that resurface. But there's something about Scooby-Doo that doesn't feel like it ever has been that way unless it's a series that is meant to have a start and a finish with like a proper episode continuity, right? Well, just to jump off the MCU, like my biggest frustration with the latest MCU stuff is that everything feels so like focused on the big narrative that it doesn't have individual narratives. Like these movies having like, there's exceptions, of course, like Shang-Chi, yeah. I thought was a pretty good movie. WandaVision. I really loved uh, Spider-Man No Way Home Wakanda forever. Like there are some standouts from the latest phase, but there is also like, I thought Ant-Man was garbage. The new one. Uh, I mm-hmm. did not like it at all. It's like my second least favorite Marvel thing ever. And it's because it did not feel like a story that needed to be told or that had any business like, being told it was like straight up setup and i was frustrated because i was like okay i don't mind a setup movie uh this is also my frustration with dune the first part is that i wanted an individual cohesive narrative and not just a setup i like yeah i don't mind setup if there's a full immersive story which i really love shang chi because it did set up this new character it set up the rings as potentially having a greater part but that was like all done in post credits and it set up like that abomination was like around for she hulk but it didn't lose track of the fact that it was an individual and cohesive story. It was about Shang-Chi and his father and the Ark. And uh, that was like perfect. Uh, Whereas like Ant-Man just felt like set up for the multiverse saga and it didn't have any like business. Like uh, like, even like while they were doing the Infinity War stuff, I felt like every single story for the most part had its own beginning, middle, end. Where Scooby-Doo, at least like to give this movie credit, it has that. Yeah. Sorry, that was my Marvel tangent. No, no, but I think it's an interesting point because then it makes me wonder, so is it, should we be grateful that maybe these standalone movies act on their own? Um, and and I, I wanted to make sure to give that credit because I think it's fair to say, all right, this is one version of Velma in this one universe and it doesn't have to be that way all the time and I don't have to be uh, that upset about it. My, my real issue was the fact that I thought it was poorly written 
very cringy. I don't really think anybody quite acts like that in relationships, and it didn't even feel satirical uh, in the way that they were like making fun of people who were like this. Um, I just thought it was like uncomfortable. And to be honest, my biggest problem with it is it is a pet peeve of mine when characters that we have long seen as queer-coded seem to all of a sudden get the complete heel turn and out of nowhere be like, the most straight you've ever seen a character be in a movie. And I think that was actually like the root cause of why it bothered me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, no, I agree I've with never that. seen Velma as being this way. And it, it almost felt like a slap in the face to go that hard. Yeah, no, I don't mind if Velma explores the concept of dating with men, but yeah. I also feel like Velma dating has never been part of her character. Like, because of the fact that like it's been like i know james gunn pushed for velma to be a woman uh sorry of course she's a woman uh but um dating a woman in the first live action one and then they made her them like have cast a guy as her love interest um so i know like velma's always like been skirted around as she's been a queer character even if a queer coded character uh but like the fact that she was overtly heterosexual in this movie which is like fine if she's bi and dating a man or pan and dating a man. That's like totally cool because I think that's still a valid experience. And I think, uh, I, I mean, I'm working on a stand-up joke that's like everyone's a little gay. Um, like I think there's, I think no one is 100% on either side of the binary. I think everyone's somewhere fluid, and it's just more about like lived experience. That's my take. I represent myself, not Alec, in this uh, yeah. conversation here. But. Um, I, I don't like that like Velma was like aggressively unlike herself because Velma's never been even if she's dated in the Scooby-Doo universe I don't think she's ever been like head over heels like obsessing with the fact that she can't like even focus on the mystery yeah I think that it is played better in Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc where she's even dating Shaggy and that's maybe my least favorite part of that show um but at least well, so it feels you a little hate bit the more movie human. I just talked about them maybe <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, uh, I think that that is all also to not take away from the fact that Windsor as a character is just atrocious and annoying, and I wanted to, uh, no, I don't want to. Want to know what my thought face. was? What I, I was like when he wasn't talking, I was like, why did they animate Carson from Survivor? <laughs> Whoa, he is like Carson from Survivor. Oh no. Anyway, wow. let's, let's uh, right. pick. Yeah, Alec is like, whoa, <laughs> um, Zoinks. Yeah, uh, Zoinks, I'm taken out. Daphne and Fred end up teaching uh, Shaggy how to motorcycle, but it's not going well. So uh, Velma does do this clutch move where she's like, Windsor, give me your keys. And he gives her the key, and he like she saves Shaggy, basically. Uh, and we go to the top of the mountain. This is my favorite scene by far, the motorcycle race on the, on the canyon. Uh, because yeah. it was action-y. It was like, unique to Scooby-Doo also. Like, it was a one-on-one race. Uh, speaking of Alec, first off, I think you would love the Mario movie because you give Mario Kart kid. Um, I Nintendo want kid. to watch it so bad. I'm still behind. I'm sorry. I it's going to be on Peacock, so you can so probably long. wait for streaming at this point. But I think okay. you would love the Mario. It's just fun, especially if you like wacky races. Like there is a yeah. Mario Kart team. Um, uh, anyways, uh, so uh, we get this. Uh, Shaggy hears the word bad right before, so he's going well. Um, and uh, Shaggy ends up saving Tex. Because uh, Tex falls and almost like dies, basically, and the Phantasaur then attacks, and they spray it with water, and we find out it's an animatronic with cables, 
they arrest the Thaumatrope duo, and then Velma or Fred, one of them is like, it usually never takes us this fast to solve it. Oh, no, it's Daphne. He says, it never takes us this quickly to solve it. It usually takes longer. And then I checked the time, and it was like 42 out of like 150, uh, an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is funny. This is this is a good joke. for Because I also, okay, at this point, I was already sus of Windsor when he said, like, even before, at the by the time they got to dinner, I was like, oh, maybe Windsor is trying to, my theory was that he was trying to confuse Velma and like make her a simp for him because she is the be- smartest one of the group. So she's distracted. Maybe they have a better chance of surviving. Uh, Ooh, then he said the thing about the fan store. And then I was like, and then I was like, oh, he said the thing about the fan store. I was like, oh, it's definitely him then. Okay. Um, did you think it was Windsor at any point? So this is interesting, right? The second that it gets telegraphed to me, so abundantly obvious that this is who the, uh, the guilty person is supposed to be. Usually that's when I get off their scent. So I started, I mean, the way that Windsor was acting, it couldn't have been anything other than he's involved somehow, but I was thinking maybe he was involved more innocently. And then there was like a true culprit that was the true baddie, which actually in a way is what happened, but he was more culpable than I thought he would be at the end. Cause I, it's almost like in survivor where they give you the winners edit and it feels so obvious. Um, It it felt to me that they were giving us too much content. And I thought maybe it was a red herring as well. No, that makes sense. That's very valid. Um, no, for sure. Um, see, I was so on Windsor that I didn't even think the the paleontologist, Dr. Svank Maher, uh, was involved. I thought she was, like, clean. Uh, and I believed her when she was like, oh, I told all my students to go away. I was like, that stinky Svank Meyer. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so they get arrested. Uh, uh, someone's stolen Dr. Hubley's stuff, though. Uh, the hypnosis machine. Um, and then they get attacked, attacked by velociraptors. This felt like the most Jurassic Park, because even like in the final act of Jurassic Park, when they're in that big diner, like this, and they yeah. do stuff in the kitchen also, like this felt like, oh, this felt inspired. Um, I thought Scooby and Shaggy were going to try to have the dinosaur eat the, the sculpture of themselves, but I thought they put pepper in there, so I thought the dinosaur was going to sneeze, but I, that didn't oh. happen. Yeah, that That's what I thought good. they were doing. Um, so uh, we also find out that there's a new Fantasaur that's breathing fire around the town and everyone's like running for their lives. Um, meanwhile, the paleontologist sent everyone home. Windsor's car is still there though. So they're like, oh, Windsor, Windsor hasn't left because Velma's like, he left without saying goodbye. And Shag is like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so Fred ends up uh, having an idea. He's like, oh, I need to go get supplies. And they toss marbles at the Velociraptors and they find out that it's the paleontology students. Um, so Daphne also, what is that machine that she turned on? The like the the pyro thing, the pyrotechnic thing. Oh yeah, like I she finds out it's a flamethrower, basically. Yeah. That's the wrong phrase, but that's essentially what it's doing. Is you press a button yeah. and then it fire spews out of it. Sorry about the ambulance alarms, everyone. Uh, we're just gonna ignore that for content sake. Uh, and uh, then, uh, well, so I, I caught it in the moment. I was like, Velma, I mean, not Velma, Daphne, why'd you leave it on? You're more responsible than this. Think of the environment. Not even thinking it was going to come back and be part of the plot. Like, because I'm a weirdo who, like, notices little things. Like, I notice when a character wa- doesn't wash their hands in their bathroom. Like, if they <laughs> if they have a scene where they're peeing, and then they just, like, are outside. And it's like, they didn't show the character washing their hands. I'm anxious about it. Like, um, That's actually really funny. Like I'm probably going to have to start noticing that now, too. Um, like I noticed it like a lot in Better Call Saul. I was like, cause they they would cut like from a bathroom scene to whatever, and like I was like, did Jimmy wash his hands? Uh, this is, is a Jimmy the kind of character? Is Jimmy the kind of character that would wash his hands, or is it the kind that might have left? 
he becomes Saul Goodman, so it's a possibility that he just leaves. That's probably why. Mm, okay. See, I think that that's what you got to gauge it off of. Is this a character that would walk out of a bathroom without washing their hands or not? So, um, Lou would wash his hands. Alec would not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Called out. No, uh, Alec, I, Alec gives a clean boy. Very much. Uh, overly so. Um, is, I, Relatable. I, yeah, I'm like overly... Uh, I have OCD, so I, I, I feel yeah. like I can make that joke about people like knowing that I, it's it's lighthearted. I don't. I actually believe you wash your hands and like take. Of course, no, no, no. But I do think that Shaggy is a character that maybe does not always. Oh, Shaggy and Fred both. Oh, Fred too. You're right. Oh, but, but see, Fred gives that exterior that he would, but in in secret, if he knows he can get away with it, he might save some time. Yeah, hmm. for sure. The fact that people still don't wash their hands after a pandemic, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Sorry, I swear it on the podcast, but it's my podcast. <laughs> I don't care. Yep, you can do it. <laughs> I'm not going to believe it. What are you doing, out. people? <laughs> I know. I <laughs> See, literally, I believe it. When, and my brother swears like a sailor, so it's really tough. Uh, there's lots of beeps in our podcast. And then he sometimes does it for fun just because he knows that you're going to have to bleep it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's his favorite hobby. Um, so, uh, we go and Svank, Meyer, and Windsor are trying to make the crystal dinosaur there so that they can make money off of it. And Windsor's like, crime before science, baby. Um, and I was like, ew. He didn't say that exactly. I kind of paraphrased, but I was just like, this is disgusting. Um, well, it's animated weirdly, though, because they do a thing where he's kind of like, I'm sorry, Velma, I put crime before science. And he's relishing in it as he says it, but then he goes to anguish like he's guilty. But in a, like a really unorganic yeah. way with the lines that are being said. I didn't like the middle, like the the like the fact that they didn't pick a side. He wasn't he he either had to be more innocent or he had to be more uh, like guilty. I felt like they were trying to straddle the line so he was still likable. But no, I was like, no, either make him like feel really remorseful about his actions and like pin it all on Zankmeyer, or make him more like uh, maniacal and like very guilty and like Velma's really turned off by it. I didn't like the like middle ground that they tried to have. That was something that so, bothered me. I so agree with you. And they almost did it with the truly guilty parties, Fankmeyer too, because they really do forgive these people relatively quick. And they also their motive is terrible. It's like, oh, we just wanted to scare people away for long enough that we could get this to a place where it wouldn't belong to the town anymore, and then we could have our discovery. I guarantee mm -hmm. you, if you find the only existing, fully intact Allosaurus, you are going to get the credit that you deserve, whether the town gets to keep it or whether they don't. Uh, I, I was baffled by, and listen, there have been a lot of uh, concepts that villains have gone to, or concepts is the wrong word, um, a lot of weird mechanisms, that's it, that some of the Scooby-Doo villains have gone to uh, over, like, really silly motives. But this one, it wasn't even fun and stupid and silly it was like we're really trying to shoehorn something here uh, yeah it i mean they committed arson they committed vandalism like that's like the thing like i have to, just have to remember because like oh what they were trying to do i feel like yes they were trying to keep a dinosaur for themselves so they could make money yeah that's kind of scummy but like at the end of the day like but then i have to remember they like made a town flee like, yeah and then it's like oh well uh i guess that we're just going to yeah. say that you should learn from your actions and now the cave is going to explode so we should get now, out of here listen I, they might have trauma bonded over the cave exploding but still i think there's like they almost they led that to happen so it's like well, you should like yes i don't think you should have let them die but you should yeah. also be like you almost killed us like what the hell i um, will say this about them the phantasmosaur that they created or <laughs> phantasaur was 
an awesome design compared to the boring dinosaur we got in the beginning. This big red laser beam fire throwing thing was genuinely, it looks like it was pulled out of mythology. And I thought that was and awesome. That's why I really like this backdrop because like you can play a lot with the environment because uh, like at least my interpretation of like New Mexico, is gonna, it's like very barren and like there's like flat buildings and like the night sky is beautiful. So it's like very, like there was a lot more like pop of color. They used a lot more red yeah. and oranges to contrast with the blue and purples of the sky. Um, and then like, it was also like a lot of environment to play with because it's a lot of desert and valleys and stuff. So that's what I liked about it. Um, so anyways, uh, Shaggy, uh, hears the word bad. So he starts doing stunts. Um, and he's going to jump to this, like, he's going to use people's belts. I thought people's pants should have fallen. I don't know. That's like, I thought that's what they were going with this gag. Cause I, there are some clothes that I need a belt for. Otherwise you will see me in my underwear. And that is not something people want. Um, so uh, then he swings on the belt. He ends up there and someone says the word bad or Daphne says not bad. So Scooby's like, it's either not or bad, but he's saying rad because he has, uh, he, he's a dog. He can't say the word B or he can't sound the word B out. And then yeah. I'm so annoyed with Daphne and Velma in this moment because I'm like, just, uh, there's like, just go through the alphabet, add, bad, tad, like just try it. Um, but anyways, Fred steps up. He's like, oh, Shaggy, you can do all this stuff. Like hypnosis, you can't do anything you can't physically do. To do this and shaggy's able to do it crawl out of the little small hole tex helps the rest of them out um and shaggy is brave in this moment and i'm proud of shaggy and then windsor is getting arrested and he says wait for me and velma's like yes and i was like velma ill <laughs> yes i will wait for you can't wait for that date see ya also he was a little bit uh snippy with her at one point in the date uh when it came to the dinosaur which was also yeah. not cool there's another that was when flags. i was like oh it's confirmed him yeah um the funny thing that you said about all that was, oh, yeah, Scooby uh, can't say bad because he's a dog, despite the fact that he can say all kinds of other things in an English language that a dog yeah. can say. <laughs> um, I, Any thoughts on yeah, this? Uh, thoughts as on far this? as the whole exit sequence, you know, it was a means to the end. I did like mm -hmm. how we kind of closed out with Shaggy, realizing that it was kind of within him the whole time. It made, It did make it feel like the whole Shaggy thing paid off from start to finish. Um, mm -hmm. I still question how did it just became known now after all this mystery solving that this man has a disease where he, he basically is just going to keep screaming. Like, I don't know if it just got triggered or if this is brand new information. I, and I don't really feel like that part of it was resolved because the doctor says, hey, here's your prescription. No more mystery solving. And after the hypnosis goes away at the end he's just back to himself right so did this disease ever actually get cured or did we just decide to you know conveniently end it there i don't know don't know something to think about <laughs> um all right so let's just wrap this movie up uh so dr hubley uh turns everyone into shaggy because he has shaggy there and he's like okay you don't need to be a badass anymore you're just going to be regular old shaggy and then he snaps his finger and then we zoom out and the rest of the Scooby gang is there. Um, so uh, the only thing I didn't like about this is at the end when the mystery machine has a shaggy wig on. Uh, and we'll talk about the end scene quickly afterwards. But it, yeah. I'm like, the mystery machine was not there. What the heck? Anyways, so let's just go back to um, the – and then they drive off and they're all shaggy. And it's like, are you the real shaggy? No, I'm the real shaggy. And Scooby shaggy. And then um, it's like shaggy daggy doo. Or, he didn't do that actually, the Scooby dooby doo in this movie, right? Oh, I don't think so. I, I didn't yeah. catch it at all. But anyways – and even Fred had the little shaggy like chin strap that he has. Um, did you ever have a chin strap like Shaggy or the whiskers? 
So not really. I <laughs> I think I, I've I've tried different iterations of a beard mustache combo, and I always just come back to the same style. But yeah, I didn't hate this ending as much as I feel like I should have. I it just made me laugh. It's one of those things where it, it didn't take itself seriously, and I appreciated that. Like we're gonna end mm-hmm. with something that makes no sense, with no resolution of these characters ever being able to be unhypnotized. And that's fine. You know, this guy totally could have, you know, reversed it. It it was more of a situation where, oh, here, um, I guess I hypnotized you once. Well, my shift's over. So you're just all going to be shaggy and that's going to be your life. Goodbye. Leave New Mexico. Uh, Does it make sense? No. But is it silly and fun? Yes. And overall, liked it. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Well, that's our movie, Alec. Uh, Any final thoughts on the movie? And then uh, we'll get into segments. Last thing, um, this episode or this movie felt like an extended episode. And I'm curious, what percentage do you think of the movies that you've seen feel like an actual film versus an actual movie? Sorry, versus an actual just extended episode. Let me look at this. Um, uh, some of these feel like movies. Some of these feel like extended episodes, right? So um, I think uh, I, I would say Samurai Sword felt like an extended episode. Pirates Ahoy felt like an extended episode, uh, where a Loch Ness Monster could have been an extended episode, but like Monster of Mexico, movie. Uh, the Cyber Chase, movie. Alien Invaders, movie. Uh, so it's like depends. It also depends on when I experienced them, because the ones I listed as like an extended episode are the ones that like I've seen, uh, I haven't seen before. I haven't experienced oh, before. Oh, see, Whereas, that's what like, I was curious about. So you Monster of your- Mexico, Aloha, uh, like the, oh, well, I, that's a lie. I listed Loch Ness Monster, which I saw as a kid, but um some of these i don't know it's a complicated question right it is it's interesting i i something that i was thinking about as i was going through is my nostalgia the reason i see these old ones as movies or is it you know genuinely that this one just felt like an episode i don't know Mm -hmm. all right so let's get into some of this spreadsheet stuff so first off alec who did you think was the bad guy by the time that it was time to like lock in your prediction so my wife can attest that I did actually think that it was Spankmeyer, and I thought that uh, Wh- Windsor was culpable with something, though uh, he was more culpable than I thought he was. I thought did he was just going to be like an afterthought. Watch with you and have any thoughts that she wanted to share on the podcast? No, not on the podcast, um, but she, she did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> well that's something she should share (laughs) i know i liked it more than she did um but we did have a lot of fun watching it together which is always the best thing you know like i said my favorite thing that a movie can be is fun and i i did enjoy the parts of it even that i didn't like because it was fun to watch through with her so Mm -hmm. uh but but yeah she was like that was not good i i had a higher review all right so my guess was windsor and then i kind of like loosened up on snake i was like oh no she's good and then i was kind of annoyed and like i was like oh the the troubadours not the troubadours whatever their name was uh they they were like red herrings but i guess they were also culprits so i had them in the final document um so both of us get a point so the my total is 26 correct predictions the guest slash co-host average points are going to be 25.5 so without getting it right he continues to have the gap pretty narrow um so i'm still in the lead but not by much how often are you right like is there a ratio of how many guesses have been wrong uh, I can do the math next time, but uh, yeah, just yeah, like I'm looking just one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, uh, seven. 
I've been completely wrong on. I also have to go back and like, there's some of these that are yellow and I think I'm just going to make the rule. You get a point for every single person you correct. So if you pr- predict multiple people, you get two points. So I'll go and do this before the next podcast that I'll be doing uh, with my friend Matt about music of the vampire. Uh, but we'll figure that out later on. Uh, so I will get back to you and stay tuned to the next episode, Alec. Maybe you can find out the information that you're looking for. Sure. No, that, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I always but, feel like uh, the uh, the villains are mostly obvious, but that percentage that you gave actually feels about right to me, even from the original episodes. I feel it like you get it right like, yeah. two-thirds of the time, so like 66%. Yeah, that feels right. Um, all right, so let's do our MVPs, LVPs. So each of us get an MVP and an LVP from the core five. Plus, Alec, if you want, you can give a bonus MVP to who a character that is in this movie that you liked that – um, I'm guessing if you give it, it's probably going to be text. Um, but we'll see what happens there. I'm going to start us off because I already have my LVP listed. It's Velma. She felt uncharacteristic. Velma's taking another L for me in this episode, in this movie, sorry. Uh, what about you, Alec? Who are you giving your LVP to? Let's end positively. Sure. So am I allowed to give it to Windsor or is that a no because he's not one of the core? He's groups? not one of the core five, but I can put a note here that your LVP, your bonus LVP is going to be uh, Windsor. If you want. Oh, do I use my bonus to subtract from a character because I hated them that much, or do I give it to Tex, who I loved well, you can do in both. a positive way? I can I do care. both. You can do All both. right. That's that's the move. Um, and, v- yeah, I, I almost want to get more creative with it, but like you said, Daphne and Fred and Scooby weren't really that present, and the, the reality is that Shaggy was great, and Velma was not, and based on those criteria, I think it's uh, pretty straightforward. It's gotta be Velma for the LVP, and All right. Shaggy for and the MVP. You're giving Shaggy your MVP? Yeah. Great shout, and I'm assuming Tex is your bonus MVP. Um, so, just to be different, Shaggy was my number one contender for MVP, but that's kind of why I want to start with my LVP, because I want to see what you were going to do with your MVP. I'm going to give it to Fred, solely because oh. Fred got Shaggy to save them at the end by giving him the words of wisdom that he needed and the encouragement. Otherwise, if you had given someone else the MVP, I would have given it to Shaggy. But because I think that was like, listen, let's go down to the spreadsheet and see how much Fred has gotten like uh, hit on by everyone else. He's gotten 28 total LVPs, by far the most of anyone else. Whoa. I think you need to highlight his good moments here. And if Fred's going to be a supportive friend, I will give him another MVP point. And as I'm looking here, I think I'm the only person who has ever given Fred an MVP point. So, and wow, I've given that's him four. so funny. See, this uh, is why what you're doing is important research. The world needs this. I, I love doing these little stats. Like, I think Fred, well, Fred sometimes is kind of F-boy. Like, last week, there was no, den- or last episode, there was no denying Fred had to be dunked on. Kate also used to hate Fred. Um, so, uh, and then Jacob, I think, com- uh, com- did the Fred stuff because he liked to carry on Kate's legacy of dunking on Fred. So, uh, th- Fred has a lot racked up. Like, I have given him seven, and uh, that I have only given him more than Kate and Jacob because uh, I've been on more podcasts. Uh, so, uh, now the guests have given him ten. So, like, by far, Fred is the most dunked on character. So, I think it's important that we highlight his wins when he has something like this moment. I agree. I'm actually a little surprised to see that um, just because I remember it feels to me like Fred, as the generations grow, becomes more like that. In the beginning, I just sort of saw him as, you know, kind of the boring, straight-laced guy. Um, 
and it seems like I guess the later we get, maybe he has more of those moments. Yeah. I, you know, I guess a lot of these are like post the year two thousand at this point that you've already seen. So it's not. Yeah, that we're wild. in the twenty tens now because this movie came out September sixth, two thousand eleven. Yeah. All right. I mean, we're past the era that Fred started really being like that a lot of the time when they were trying yeah. to go for a little bit more complexity. Um. So uh, yeah. yeah, guess and it makes I'll sense. This to Fred. Listen, Daphne is always going to be my number one. Like, Scooby and Daphne are, like, from my, as a kid, I think they were my favorites. Uh, Daphne, I still think, is kind of hot, but also uh, TBD on their ages, so I right. I don't know. I, we're we're <laughs> saying that they're post-college, so they're illegal. Um, in, but in this I, movie, I that is for sure, for sure the case. Fred wasn't my first guy cartoon crush, but he was up there. Like, Danny Phantom by far and away. But Fred, like, I remember, oh, he's kind of attractive, but I didn't know what that meant at the time, and obviously now I do. But Right, so, right. Uh, yeah, so shall we get to our scores, and then we'll do some, we'll wrap up this movie, preview the next one, and we'll do a little quick minute on Velma. Yeah. All right, so Alec, where are you giving this movie score? Out of 0 to uh, 5, but you can't give it less than 2.5, 0.25, because um, uh, that's what I told Lindsay and Lisa, so that is our rule. You can't give it a full 0, you have to give it 0.25 or higher. So what are you giving it? Oh, man. Well, I really enjoyed talking about it with you today, but I still probably give it uh you said 0.25 increments are okay i'm gonna go 2.25 2.25 lovely all right so i appreciate this score um i'm probably gonna definitely be higher than you because again relatively speaking i'm just looking at things that i enjoyed this movie more and uh i enjoyed this movie more than uh i'm seeing night of the living do i definitely enjoyed this more than I think I enjoyed this more than Pirates Ahoy. So by that nature, I have to give it 3.75 at least as on paper. But then I really was a fan of the motorcycle scene and the set piece of New Mexico or Arizona, wherever they were. Yeah, And I think the environment can give it a 0.25 bump. So even though the movie annoyed me at parts, I think I'm going to give it a straight four, which I'm trying to see. I also gave to the Witch's Ghost, which I think in hindsight, I probably would have given Witch's Ghost a 4.25 because I think I liked what they did more as a story overall plus with the setting, but that one is another one where the setting really elevated the story. Um, Cause that one takes place in like Salem in a Salem type town. Uh, so um, I think I'm going to give this a four, a solid four. And with that, our average is 3.125. So this is somewhere in the middle of Scooby-Doo movies, which I think is fine. What's the highest so far? The highest is going to be Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King, which Jacob gave a five to, I want to say. Wow. Um, and he gave us point four point seven five, and I gave a 4.5 um so it was a 4.6525 my highest has been scooby-doo monster of mexico and the live action scooby-doo with straight fives and i'm trying to see kate has never given a five jacob never gave a five scally gave a five for scooby-doo so i'm i think kate's live action rating is the only reason that it's not ahead that's really interesting okay goblin king is maybe one i need to check out then because i haven't seen it goblin king is fun and the podcast was a lot of fun because that was after the first time jacob and i hung out in person in new york um, happy birthday to Jacob on the day we're recording this. Uh, and uh, 3.125, that's around average of breaking. So the average is 3.1. So yeah, I think this is an average Scooby-Doo movie. And we've done 28 so far. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is, that's pretty wild. And many more to come, it seems 20, like. Yeah, and these are all going to be things like, I don't think I've seen any of these. No, that's a lie. I saw uh, Spooky Scarecrow uh, when uh, it was Halloween one year. Um so yeah, I'm excited to do this like later half. I think this is this might be around the halfway point of Scooby Doo movies. Wow, 
Look at how far we've gone, Alex. So anyways, before we wrap things up, let's hear what you thought about Velma. We'll do a quick yeah. Velma minute. Um, Did you so, watch the whole series or just a couple episodes? No. So I here was my experience with Velma. Um, I saw a lot of the hate that it was getting out of the gate. And my first instinct was simply, you know, people love their classics. And anytime a reboot comes out, they get mad because it's not like their original. Uh, I was expecting there to be that crowd that was, oh, I hate it because it got woke now. And for that reason, I was really excited to watch it and think, I bet I'm going to love this. But that was not my takeaway. It felt to me like this I could not tell who this show was for in the first place because it seemed in a way like it would upset anybody for all kinds of reasons. Uh, you know, I it is definitely weird that I, I, I'm going to come down a little bit hard on it, right? Lou and I were going to do a reaction video and we filmed a reaction video and it's the first time ever that we just decided not to release it. No, can you send it to me at least so I can watch it? <laughs> you know, I'm sure the footage still exists. I think the problem was a lot happened very quickly and I, we felt like there were moments that were problematic that we should have stopped down to have a proper discussion about. And the fact that we didn't, it made it feel almost like irresponsible as creators. Like, for example, in one of the first scenes, you know, there are absolutely like high school girls that are just like naked in the bathroom and are kind of sexualized in a really awkward way. Mm -hmm. And that's something that at the time we're like, okay, whatever, like we're just watching this show and it's weird and we're not sure how we feel about it. And it was the very beginning of the episode. Uh, so we didn't have a chance to properly think, well, that was pretty messed up. Um, and every character was unlikable. And it's hard because I really, nothing is too beloved for me. It, it does not bother me that they decided to try something new. It doesn't matter to me whether these are Scooby-Doo characters or whether they're anybody else. Like, they could just be random characters. But I still want to like the characters in the show that I'm watching or have some interest. And uh, we just, honestly, it, we disliked it so much that we stopped. Is <laughs> really what it came down to. We thought about releasing it anyway. Um, I, I am fine with the creators trying something new and being able to release it without just getting loads of hate. I genuinely don't think it's quite as bad as the slander they're getting. And I'll and say it got better right. as the show went on and maybe yeah. with season two, they can rework a lot of it. Um, but yeah. I like the show was watchable. Um, that's a lie. Uh, I mean, it, it was mostly watchable. There were points that I was like, oh, this is very slow, but I watched every single episode. Did I speed some of the episodes up at 1.5? Yes, I think I did. Maybe 2x? I don't know. But the show, like, if I had sat there and it was background noise, I think I could have watched it all. Um, I watched the first couple episodes, like, on normal speed. It's not good, but it's not terrible. I appreciated they were swinging. Uh, yeah. They were trying something new. I appreciate the fact that they tried to do something a little more meta and talk about, like, the relationship, like, Velma being queer. Um I think there were yeah, some things that didn't work for me. Like, I thought Fred was too one note. I thought there was, like, no character. Like, every character was kind of one note. Um, and I, I think they could, if they reworkshopped it, this could be a show that has good stuff out of it. Because I've heard great things about the Harley Quinn show, which I feel like people said was this was trying to be Harley Quinn and failing at yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. And people love that one. Um, so I think there's they just need to workshop it a little bit more. Um, I think there is room to play around with a more adult themed Scooby Doo. Um, even if you want to yeah. like do it like with the the uh, young adult versions and like have them on adventures, like 
there's room to play with a cartoon adult, an adult animation Scooby-Doo where like Fred and Daphne are having sex and like Shaggy is getting high. Like there's stuff to play with that where it's not meant for kids, but I think it needs to have like a purpose and a good story behind it. I don't think we should just be making stuff for IP sake. Yeah. I really liked the depiction of Shaggy from the first episode, actually. Yeah. I, I and I like the, the race. Went... I like the colorblind casting and like the fact yeah, that they played around I... with racing. I don't have an issue with that. I know a lot Same. of people did, but. Um, yeah, again, I don't care if you are taking beloved characters and changing them. That was never the problem. For me, it's – oh, I never like – sorry. I don't like crude cartoons at all. I've never liked Family Guy or The Simpsons or literally any of them of that genre ever. And I was hoping that an adult take on Scooby-Doo was not going to be going for that. I wanted something that was more serious, like The Legend of Vox Machina. Like, it is adult. There could potentially be blood. It could be serious mysteries. Um, but it just tends to be – I don't know if I've ever enjoyed an adult comedy once in my entire life. And the fact that it was with the Scooby characters and already a genre I don't like ultimately was why it got a big old no for me. But so everyone okay tweeted, Alec, like your favorite dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's fine. It's like, I, for me, it's hard. Like these, um, I, I sound like a prude, but no, I feel I, like. I can get it because like, I, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Like when I was in middle school, I loved Family Guy. Like I would get home and watch Family Guy on Netflix. And there's like an early nostalgia for those like first eight, nine seasons of Family Guy that I would watch on Netflix. Um, cause also I think some of that was actually good, but then I was rewatching one of the episodes. Like, oh, this was not good. And it was just kind of nostalgia. Yeah. And like, I think family guy South park is perfect. I mean, there, I'm not going to knock people who like those shows. I like the Simpsons. I think the Simpsons like in its heyday was actually kind of creative. And like the Simpsons movie is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time, but I am personally connected because it came out on my 10th birthday. So I think yeah. there's like a nostalgia effect of it. Um, but like, I can acknowledge they're problematic. I've never been a South Park kid. I was never like into like super adult stuff, uh, like cartoons. Uh, it was just like Simpsons and Family Guy were like parts of, and I, I think part of the Family Guy appeal was that I was from Boston. So um, yeah, and I think sometimes uh, they're going for satire, and I just can't shake the feeling while I'm watching it that so many people are not watching it as satire, that they are learning very real lessons, probably at ages they shouldn't be watching it in the first yeah. place, and they're going to go repeat it on the playground and reinforce stereotypes. And it's just, I felt the same way watching Velma, uh, mm -hmm. and that's that was probably my biggest problem. For it's not sure. the writer's fault. They're trying to be, even if they are trying to be satirical, they have a right to do that as Writers and stop giving artists. all the hate to Mindy Kaling because yes, she was an yes. EP and she voiced Velma, but there was a whole creative team behind it. It was not her original idea; it was someone else who brought the idea, and she became a producer of it. So yes, she still had some control, and we like can like call the things that didn't work out. But at the same time, like there was a whole like I don't like when people blame individual creators. Like I, me too. I don't get defensive over Jeff Gross because he's a man who can take it, but I also think that like people also need to realize there's a whole creative team that is going with whatever he said pitching their ideas like so like if you have an issue with a creator like you can be vocal about it but remember there's like a whole lot of hands in the cookie jar it's not just one person um now that said you can throw hands metaphorically at the different studios and their executives who are keeping the writers from getting their paychecks that is okay yes um but like in terms of the like, actual creation it is hard to create content it is like overwhelming and sometimes paralyzingly so like I have imposter syndrome for something that I'm working on, a creative writing project, uh, and it's stressing me out in a way that it shouldn't because it's for fun. It's no one. It's just for like a stupid little Discord game. But anyways, yeah, um, I'm with you. The last thing about Velma that I'll say, I thought it was kind of silly that there was no Scooby. Like, granted, the end of the result is Project Scooby is the bad guy's intention, so that's why they get the name Scooby. But I, I wanted Scooby Doo as a dog. I think that's like part of the appeal. Like, it's 
four kids and their dog. That was like the original concept, right? So maybe that's what it turns into. You know, maybe that's the end goal that they're going for. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, Alec, what's happening with you? Tell the people where they can keep up with you. Um, and also, what's a pop culture plug that everyone should check out that you are watching, reading, consuming, listening to, etc.? What should people check out? Nice. Okay. Jester Brothers Cartoon Theater on YouTube is probably okay. where uh, I have found my most success. <laughs> uh that is with me and my brother lou we react to cartoons that you might love like steven universe like the legend of vox machina perhaps unicorn warriors eternal a show that is actually debuting tonight as of this recording at midnight uh by gennady tartakovsky who also created the show samurai jack dexter's laboratory and primal i have a feeling that's going to be a great oh, show speaking of samurai jack joe john dimaggio was in this movie oh really who would yeah, he like he was um let me look it up i saw his name in the credits and i don't remember who it was no uh, worries. You and while you're looking, you keep plugging for now. Sure. Uh, we also have been doing some fun things on Twitch on Mondays. Uh, might be taking a little Twitch break soon, um, but uh, definitely give us a follow. We might, if you catch us in time, be doing a tournament of some kind of a cartoon. And Gravity Bros, the Gravity Falls Rewatch podcast that's on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, you may have heard of by now. Um, as far as a pop culture plug... I would really recommend if people are Disney fans that they start looking into something called Lorcana, which is an upcoming trading card game with Disney characters. So think about your Yu-Gi-Ohs, your Magic the Gatherings, all of those, and now incorporate all of your favorite Disney, Disney characters. Is this characters. like the Kingdom, the Keepers of the Magic Kingdom sort of it card game? It is not. I wouldn't say so. This is like... They a, should have... They should make that a movie. Like, I know there's a lot King of like probably rights, but they have all the rights, right? Not not just Kingdom Keepers. They need to make that an animated show. That's my take. It shouldn't be live action. It should be an animated show. I would but love that. They need to make. Uh, you, you worked at Disney World, right? You know what I'm talking about with the cards yeah, Sorcerers like, of the Magic Kingdom. Sorcerers yeah, of the we're... Magic Kingdom. Sorry, not yeah, Keepers. You... No, it's okay. I knew what you meant. So you could inter you could interact with portals and have the cards have effects. And those were fun collectors' items. But this is going to be like a really well designed mechanical card game. Um, and they're making a show of it, or no? No, it's a it's not a show at all. It's a card game. Well, we um, should play it on Twitch if we are able to. God, well, I don't even know how I'm going to figure that out uh, in the first well, place. Well, I, I also am working on uh, doing a Twitch, but we'll talk offline. Um, yeah, sure. So. Yeah, it's a – but the the art for these cards so far is beautiful. So, yes, look up Lorcana. Um, it's coming out in August, and I think it's going to be a really fun game with uh, just, I don't know, lots of collectible fun so to be had. And I think it's going to become like a community. Hey, hey listeners, um, so what we're getting for Alec on his birthday is a pack of Lorcana. <laughs> So yes. just remember that and tweet at me in August. I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear that, even though I couldn't resist saying yes right in the middle of the whispering that you were doing. Alec? What's Alec? He's not here. This is a one-person podcast. I'm just doing voices. Um, oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. I, I thought I heard something about John DiMaggio. Oh, yeah. So he was Frizz. He was the GPS system. He was some bikers, and he was miscellaneous others. Random. Okay. Love it. Um, and... You, people can keep up with you individually at HB Cart or JB Cartoon Alec or Jester Bros Alec on Twitter. I forget what you currently are. You changed You're, it recently. It's just it's Jester Bro Alec, yeah. Jester Bros. Okay, Jester Bro Alec. Um, in terms of me, the Brazilian Dragon, you can follow me at all social media at Brazil Dragon Pod. My main stuff is at with the Fleep. In terms of my own stuff, I would recommend Instagram primarily because that's where I'll post any comedy shows in the Los Angeles area that I'm doing. Uh, as well as other podcasts I'll be reposting on my stories. Um, in terms of The Brazilian Dragon, we have a couple episodes banked for Media Made Me. We're working on doing more Scooby-Doo stuff. We're working behind the scenes on some other stuff, uh, pre-production stages for those. Uh, but 
next week we will be having a podcast recording with my friend Matt. And we will be talking about Scooby-Doo and the music of the vampire, one that I have seen, but I don't remember much of. Um, and then also Media Mainly will drop when all the episodes for season one are banked. Uh, and uh, otherwise, what you doing? Navi and I recorded an episode and we dropped it yesterday. And it's about season three of Phineas and Ferb, the first episode, Run Candace Run, and The Last Train to Buzzville. And we had a great time. Will's in Germany with some internet issues plus time zones. Uh, Alec, if you ever want to chat about Phineas and Ferb, we were supposed to have you on season two, but then you were in the middle of a move when your episode popped up. Uh, So you're welcome to chat with us. Um, And in terms of my pop culture plug, I'm going to recommend Sight Unseen, The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, just because I trust James Gunn in this product. Um, I think he's a very good storyteller. He knows what he's doing. And even though I have Marvel fatigue right now, I think Guardians is going to be a good movie. And maybe I'm just trying to convince myself right now. Um, secondly uh support the writers writer strike of america learn more about it there's some great articles variety did one uh that was really good uh check out instagram stories uh sign of the times i think is doing a lot of good stuff Uh, a lot of celebrities are supporting the writer's strike drew barrymore pulled out of hosting the mtv awards um brett goldstein he's picketing so just like support the writers that's another pop culture plug and i've been retweeting a lot of stuff on my personal twitter um also, um, I'm upset with BU, my alma mater. So uh, you can Google. I can't. I don't want to say anything more personally, but you can Google why. Uh, anyways, Alec, any final thoughts? Uh, no more. Always fun to chat with you. Uh, thanks yes, for having me again. Always a great time to chat with you. Uh, with that said, hashtag text. I don't know. Text. Hashtag text. Tex Avery, because Tex Avery is an old-time animator who had some amazing cartoons. Yes, hashtag Tex Avery. And with that said, until next time, everyone, let's hop into the mystery machine and traverse to our next location. Bye!